Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, fine. Let's do a podcast. I'm absolutely in the zone. Oh, everything's firing. Brilliant. Hello. How are you? I hope you had a good weekend. Um, I, I had a, I had a nice weekend. Um, it didn't, didn't it wasn't a very good weekend in Kabul. I'm, I'm not not saying that flippantly. Obviously, I'm I'm against war generally. Um, but I do think once you've started one, you, you should you should probably see it through. Uh. You know, you you might not be a fan of invasive surgery, but you know, if you if you if you cut someone open, you should you should probably finish the procedure rather than just walking away while they just bleed out. I'm just bleeding out now. But it put me in mind of a, a song. We've got Mick Wright coming up, by the way. Um, it put me in mind of a song. Now I can't remember if I've done this on the podcast before or not. And I'm really sorry if I have, but I'm pretty sure I haven't told the story of it. So it was uh, I think 19 years ago. I I wrote a song for a review in Washington DC. I was I was living out there, uh, working at BBC America, cutting promos for Ground Force, which no one could understand. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, I did a song called Sunday in Kabul, and uh, it was sort of intended as a sort of a wry little thing. Um, they turned it into the big tap dance number. Um, and uh, the guy sort of sang the main refrain, and then um, uh, tw- twenty tap dancers came out in um, like kneecaps, and uh, it was it was all just sort of feet and eyes. Uh, and the thing was, it was intended as quite a wry, quite wistful in a way song. Um, and all the Americans in the audience were going, "Yeah, hell yeah." Um, we showed we showed them. Um, so I sort of I went and watched it once and then slunk away slightly shamefacedly. And I thought, well, it's one of those songs that, you know, will come and go, you know, like when you do a parody of the John Lewis advert on the now show, you know, it has its moment and then it goes. Um, but here we are nearly 20 years later and it sort of still feels relevant. And I thought, well, why not? I've blown the dust off my uh, French duty ukulele. I say blown the dust off sort of 
wearily wiped the mildew off it. And still in tune, kind of. Um, do you want to hear it? I'll, I'll just do it. And you can always skip forward if you've heard it before. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Sunday in Kabul, just pack up your trouble. Take a trip down what's left of the street. Take in a movie or Al Jazeera on TV. Can you hear the tuneful whistle of that intercontinental missile? Sunday in Kabul, watching your skin bubble, walking hand in hand and heart in mouth. Wear your burqa made of satin, I heard Joe's got a fresh batch of rat in. Living fat on Sunday in Kabul. Monday, I'm no happy bunny. How I miss my honey, my amorous Afghani. Days drag by till Sunday comes. It's raining cats and dogs and bombs. And Sunday in Kabul, strolling through the rubble. Having fun in the city that never sleeps. So eat, drink and be merry. Watch for dysentery. We could go and drink martinis, except the bar was blown to smithereenies. Sunday in Kabul, make mine a double. Somebody flew me to the moon. Beirut, Belgrade once were pretty, how often it's said of my city now. Don't they know it's Sunday? It's gotta get better one day. Don't they know it's Sunday in Kabul? I saw lots of stuff on social media saying um, a tragedy is happening before our very eyes. It's not a tragedy. Like a tragedy is, uh, you know, something like an earthquake that no one could have seen coming. Uh, we used to see this coming. This is an atrocity. Anyway, yeah, you don't need me to say things like that at you, do you? It's Monday morning for crying out loud. Every day the papers pump out their streams of hate. The fifth column's propaganda they will propagate. But who can penetrate the ramparts of the fourth estate? Mick Wright, a.k.a. Broken Bottle Boy. Mick Wright, a.k.a. Broken Bottle Boy. Here he is. Here's the man himself in his salmon pink suit. Uh, it's Mick Wright. Um, and... What we thought we'd do today, perhaps, was a hit piece on Robert Peston and then talk about the curious nature of hit pieces. Uh, is yes. that is that a good idea? <laughs> kind of. Well, because because in a well, in a way, because there's a, there are hit pieces and there are hit pieces in that um, the thing that I've written about Robert Peston is very much focused on actual things he said and done. So I don't even consider it to be a hit piece. It's just more a, a a critical piece of his um, really sure. ludicrous novel, as opposed to, say, uh, the hit pieces in the mail that uh, we want to talk about, which are about, um, you know, insinuation and bad faith, uh, uh, bad faith looks at people's lives and careers. Sure. But, I mean, I think we've done enough of these to know that I'm always going to go for Route 1 fatuous uh, stuff. So you're welcome. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much. Um, I really enjoyed your uh, Peston 
piece. There's a slight noise on your mic, and I don't know what it is. It's oh, it's a, it's a microwave, which I think is going to stop in a moment. Okay. In like 20 seconds. 20 seconds is fine. It's fine. I don't want anyone eating any not piping hot food. Uh, eggs, yes. Eggs. Um, eggs. Eggs is eggs. Um, yeah, Peston. Peston. Yeah, it was a lot um, of fun. His novel... Um, seems to be a, a massive leap of the imagination for him. Yes, it's, uh, it's, it features a character called Gil Peck, who is a political editor of the fictional Financial Chronicle in the 90s. Oh, yeah. um, Robert Peston was political editor of the Financial Times at the start of the Tony Blair era. Um, hmm. His bosses mock his speaking style. Uh, wow. Who, who could that be about? And, is, um, and the grimmest part of it is um, the character's sister dies in a cycling accident. Uh, Robert Peston's actual sister had a serious cycling accident but recovered so wow. I'm not sure how I would feel about that if I were his sister <laughs> it's <gonna> be like oh. <laughs> Robert Rob mate I've been yeah. reading your book and it's a bit a little yeah. bit I'm a bit dead in it and yeah. I think yeah you know how all of the rest of your book appears to be like you but sort of as you'd like to see yourself in a sort of idealised way yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, the bit that I'm sure, I have not checked the Daily Mail yet, but I'm sure the Daily Mail will pick up on, is that um, the character, Gil Peck, um, is an absolute fiend for the old chisel. Um, and uh, because of that, Andrew Billen in uh, the Times Magazine profile piece asked Peston about his own relationship to drugs and Peston admits you know admits uh, using uh, i'm falling into tabloidism there just mm. says yeah i did drugs in my 20s and 30s periodically but i didn't have a you know massive yeah. habit or anything so uh, you know expect um peston's drug shame to turn up in the mail but uh, do you mailing. i sort of feel like he's not even really necessarily and i i don't find drug taking interesting um but i don't think he's even that interesting i sort of feel like because he wants to be the sort of bad boy maverick I feel like he's just saying that. I'm, I'm pretty sure that if he, I'm pretty sure that a, a substantial number of people who worked at the Financial Times in the 1990s, uh, you know, availed themselves of cocaine. Such as, as I am very sure that a significant number of people at um, current national newspapers, uh, newsrooms, uh, avail themselves of uh, of cocaine. <laughs> so you know. Yeah. I put it this way. I, I I would love I would love the Daily Mail to do its thing where it um you know goes a swab has been done in the offices of such and such company and it was found oh, that there was yeah. cocaine there. I would love that to happen in the um in the, in its offices. <laughs> yeah, we used a mop. Yeah, I just I've never I've never done any any of those drugs, and I I think my main thing being that I, I'm just not that crazy about the idea of putting something up my nose that's probably been up another guy's bumhole. That's. I think that's a good. I think that's a good. Um, a good premise for not doing it. I've never done cocaine because I have a, a massive overweening ego as it is, and I can't imagine <laughs> how. I mean, I'm awful now. Yeah. So how awful would I be? Yeah. Uh, you know, with that chemical enhancement. I am perfectly capable of being overbearing on my own. Thank you. Yes, thank you very much. I don't need any help. I'm, a, I'm naturally an asshole. Uh, but yeah. So this this Peston thing is interesting because uh, it's it, it's. Of course, in the Times profile piece, it's described as an, um, a brilliant book. Um, and, you know, look, I'd say this is someone who, who, you know, when I was a music journalist, we had to get musician. We wanted to get famous musicians into the magazine. So what would happen quite often is, for instance, you have U2 on the front cover. And then curiously, U2's 
ropey new album gets four stars in the review section. How right. does that happen? It mm. happens because you need them in the in the mag, you know? Yeah. So in the same way, I'm pretty sure that in order to secure this profile, they made sure to, um, you know, big up the book, uh, which they also had a um, a an extract of, and it is execrable. <laughs> Uh, it, it's your, your main contention is that uh, there's there's an awful lot of telling and not a lot of showing going on in the book. Yeah, I mean, as far it, as the opening of from, the extracts, yeah. the opening of the extract says, "All that interests me is the narrative, the story, and who controls it." As a glory-seeking journalist, I sometimes reveal scandals, but more often I try to find out what the powerful in politics and business are planning. And you're just like. This is not how it, it, like I've spent a long time around. I've been a journalist for fifteen years. I've I've interacted with many, you know, national newspaper hacks, and political editors, and all sorts of people, and none of them talk the way that he writes this character talking. He is yeah. one. Doesn't talk like this in real life. <laughs> he, it's like um, I said in the piece. It's a bit like uh, oh, someone took Raymond Chandler dialogue and then had it rewritten by an incompetently constructed machine learning algorithm. It's just <laughs> like, it's like, oh, this hot, this character's hard bitten. And then you're like, yeah, but I've actually, you know, we know what you're actually like in real life. Yeah, like, we know it's basically of hours you. of footage of yeah. you, and this is not Being you. you not know, that. Not like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it, it's really interesting this kind of thing, and then of course he like has this kind of Blair analog character in it called Johnny Todd, um, uh, and it's just it's just very uh, the, the bit that really got me though is where he he, he has a go at his character well Peck sorry has a a go at a character uh, at um, political hacks who take dictation right mm -hmm. now this is the same Robert Peston who during the twenty nineteen general election was. Um, forced along with the BBC's political editor Laura Koonsberg to apologize after they just literally parroted a claim from the Tories that a labor activist had punched a Tory advisor outside a hospital and of course very rapidly a video came out showing that this Tory act uh, this Tory advisor had walked into this activist but then it had been briefed by senior Tories that um, a punch had occurred and I presume that they they thought oh well there's no video of this so We'll oh, Mick, this. come on. In an entire career of journalism, just because they got found out one time. I mean... Yes. Mm. One, one, one of many times. Well, it's just <laughs> one of many examples I could have used. Um, um, but following your yeah. U2 analogue, um, his, his book seems to, you know, seems to be going down quite well amongst uh, journalists. Well, the, but, but jur books about journalists that mm. make journalists the hero are always they're people that journalists are predisposed to go. Yeah, of course we are. We do speak uh, speak truth to power. We are, uh, you know, we are very much characters in our own personal thriller at all times, um, which is not the case, you know. And I, mm. I, I, I use in the article I, I talked about a piece. I talked about um, compared it to. Scoop, which is kind of unfair because Scoop is one of the greatest books ever written about journalism and the nature <laughs> of journalism versus, you know, Robert Peston's airport thriller. But in that book, War constantly, you know, mocks and belittles journalists and shows them for the, like, egotistical, vainglorious characters that they are. Of course, if you did that now, you would not get good reviews. Of course, journalists will say no. they like that book now because, oh, well, that was that back then. It's very different now. Oh, We're yeah, obviously yeah, much yeah, more yeah. professional now. Oh, yeah. But... Um, I've always had this, I have long had this issue with journalists and, you know, it, it, 
being one myself, that we just have this uh, this notion of talking about our profession as if it is much more special than it is, and that and and allowing even the most ropey. Um, clearly stenographers for government to sort of to Im- imply that they that they're brave and they they speak, speak truth, truth to power, to power. and they're, yeah. they're they're effectively war correspondents wandering around westminster and you're just a bit like not really you're very chummy and pally and you know dinner party friends with a lot of a, a, a lot of um of politicians yeah and and actually you know, Peston got slapped down, uh, unfortunately, very well by Boris Johnson during the 2019 general election again, when he was interviewing Johnson and he said, oh, no, actually, after before the 2019 election, it was um, during the um, Tory leadership contest when he said to Johnson something to the effect of, um, oh, what does it say about you, another Etonian, becoming prime minister? What does that show about, you know, the, the, the how, how um, you know, meritocratic the country is? And... and Johnson just said, "Yeah, well, you're a Bailey old man asking another Bailey old man that question, mm. you know." And, and it's it's important to remember that Robert Peston's father was a Labour grandee who, um, an economist who was made Baron Peston. And also another little fact that I include in this piece is that when Robert Peston got his job at the BBC, moved out of print journalism into into broadcast journalism, his father was concurrently on the committee, uh, House of Lords committee, looking at the future of the BBC. Now, God, Mick, it's easy that... to... Oh, anyone can join dots, Mick. Anyone can do that, no, mate. No, and I'm not saying... I'm not no, even saying that there, of course that, there is a, of course. that there is a correlation between that. But it's just interesting for Peston to like to sort of present himself as a as a kind of maverick outside of the establishment when he could not yeah. be more establishment. Well, um I th- I think he's I think he's very rock and roll. I think he's very cool, and in, I can't in the pink, I can't wait in, to in his, his beautiful pink suit. Do do ch- look up the pictures, listeners, because oh, yeah. it's a it's a thing of it's a thing of wonder. What was it you described as some 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 kind of Savoy? What was it? I said he was uh, he looked like your dad cosplaying as a chip shop Savoy. <laughs> Very good. Well, and that's that in the him. blue suit that he wears inside the thing, that yeah. looks like a man auditioning for a show called Hawaii Five. Hell no. Um, <laughs> so there you, there you go. I'm very cruel. I'm very cruel. And as someone said to me on Twitter, I'm just jealous. You, of course, you are. Remember, I'm deeply, deeply jealous. You'd love to be Robert Peston, wouldn't you? I would. I would. You'd There's love, nothing I dream of. Every love, night I dream of being Robert Peston. You, you I- wish incapable you had a, of getting out of sentence. A TV show with your name in the title, the right stuff. Yeah, unfortunately, that's Matthew Wright ruined that for me. Come on, um, you could, you could, like, you should inherit no, you the crown. You know what my Couldn't you, you know what my show would be called? It'd be called Right to Reply. And uh, it would no, no, start no. with me doing an angry Jeremy Kyle style I'm, monologue. I'm going to have you shouting at newspapers. I'm going to have you and Matthew Wright double heading it, and it's going to be, and like you go head to head, and it's called Two Rights. <laughs> This is this is why that you're this is why you are such a broadcasting veteran with this kind of format <laughs> creation. You're the next um, you're the next Richard Osman, aren't you? Uh, oh God, imagine that. <laughs> imagine that. I don't I, think you're adequately tall enough. No, but you know, I'm happy with just the format rights. Don't need anything but the format rights. Fine with that. Yeah. Um. So Jess Brammer, then, now that we've yes, done Brammer. Robert Pearson. Uh, who, who she, she's been in the firing line, has she? This has been going on for 
sometime. It began back in July when the Financial Times broke the news that uh, um, Cursed Egg, Tory MP's brother, ex-director of communications for Theresa May, sometimes GB News consigliere and past head of BBC News Westminster political programmes, turned BBC board member, so Robbie Gibb, uh, <laughs> was trying to stop Jess Brammer from becoming um, from getting a, a job uh, back in the BBC uh, overseeing their um, news channel output. How is how is your egg, by the way? I actually, I, it's in front of me. I'm looking at it and I'm thinking. Did you? I, I was. I could have sworn you took a cheeky mouthful at some point there. I did not. I you, did not. You so I'm a did. professional. I know I'm a professional. I'm That's terrible. Professional. Eat your eggs. Eat your eggs. Eat your eggs. Um, so anyway, the Brahma thing is um, essentially the, the she she was um, editor in chief of HuffPost UK, which you know was relatively left-leaning if you i suppose but really more centrist if anything and basically their aim is to uh, say she can't have this job because she's she's left-wing and ah. uh, that won't be uh that'll be that won't that won't be the bbc being impartial now it doesn't seem to matter that the current director general uh, tim davy is a failed former tory council candidate or that uh, richard sharp the current um, bbc chairman was parachuted into his role after being a uh, long-term mentor of Rishi Sunak and a massive Tory donor. That's fine. They, they of course, are incredibly yeah, yeah. Um, impartial, impartial and yeah, balanced. Yeah. And, well, you um, can trust And you'd be a fool to say otherwise. Them. You can trust yeah. them. Yeah. Sound right-wing lads, right? Uh, <laughs> so anyway, what has happened is over... Uh, since the FT broke that story, the Times then uh, weighed in with, you know, lots of whispers from government sources. Then um, perpetually thirsty drink-drive enthusiast Paul Staines of, <laughs> um, of Guido Fawkes um, started, you know, rifling through Jess Brammer's Instagram and Twitter accounts, and it's it's gone on and on. And over the weekend, the Mail on Sunday uh, published a piece um, which which it featured a box out. Uh, the, well, the headline of the main piece was so much for the BBC's impartiality promise um, based on just whispers that Jess Brammer may may actually, you know, be getting the role that people thought that she was up for. Right. And then the Mail on Sunday claims that uh, the BBC didn't go through the correct um, recruitment process, even though the BBC says it has, and it just hasn't named anyone yet because <clears throat> it's not done. Um, but the real, real killer part was uh, a box out which was headlined the blm supporter with toy boy from the guardian which was just a string of very grim insinuations um about jess brammer and her partner um jim waterson who is the media editor of um of the guardian uh and it includes stuff like you know discussing uh the fact that they uh went through um fertility treatment to to have their son, uh, naming their wow. son, naming where they live. Was it special kind of communist fertility treatment to make sure they had a communist son? I believe it was son. by Marxists. I believe, and I believe the son has a full Karl Marx beard. That's what I heard. <laughs> she, um, she wanted her son to be born with the full beard. Yeah. So what you get is, is Katie Hine, who's the showbiz editor of, of the Mail on Sunday, um, affecting to be really uh, shocked that people on Twitter thought the word toy boy was odd to describe a woman... And her partner, who is just seven years younger than her, mm. um, and then also going, well, why, um, why is anyone annoyed that I mentioned the fact that they had infertility treatment because of uh, mm. fertility treatment? Because um, she wrote about it in Grazia, which mm. she did, but it was in an article about um, mothers during COVID, and the context is completely different. Can't you know? say anything and, anymore. But of course, 
for the for the male, the fact that they've included that, and the thing is, the male will deny. The male on Sunday will deny this, right? But the reason that they've mentioned um, that she had fertility treatment and that uh, and that she's you know recently had a child is not to engender sympathy from its readers. It's to say, oh, because it comes very shortly after the piece says she's enjoyed a 15-year career in television and online media. The word enjoyed is interesting as well. Like, she didn't earn mm. it. Like, it was just no, given no. to her. But the implication is, look at this woman. She left it too late to have a child, and now she's had to have fertility treatment. That's the implication. No, I but don't think that's fair. Yeah. I don't think that's fair. I think the implication is... Look at this woman with her unstable hormones all over the shop. She couldn't possibly do that job properly. Yeah. And anyway, when you come down, basically when you come down to it, the reason that that Brammer and by extension Watson are under attack is for two reasons. One, Jess Brammer talked, um, you know, was, was a very public critic of people who dismissed the notion that there was racism in the British media following the Meghan and Harry interview. And two, um, uh, Jim Watson broke the story about the uh, domestic row between um, Boris Johnson and Carrie uh, Simons, uh, as she was at the time, uh, which ended up in the in, in their neighbours reporting it to the police. So, you know, this is essentially revenge, uh-huh. just as it was revenge by Jacob Rees-Mogg to attack Jess Brammer in the House of Commons and on his terrible podcast, The Mogcast. Oh, wow. Um, that's a she... thing? Oh, wow. That is a thing. It's a monthly oh, that's my podcast afternoon? he does. It's oh, really wow. Horrible. Um, because she came to the defence of one of her journalists who um, Rhys Mogg uh, baselessly attacked, again, using parliamentary privilege to do so. So, you know, there were reasons for doing this. It's like she she ha- she was willing to stand up to defend um, a journalist of, of colour who, again, was attacked by a government minister, Kemi Bednock, um, ah, yes. slandered and attacked. Um, Nadine White on Twitter after Nadine White did the purely simple journalistic thing of asking her for comment about something. Um, Jess Brammer, you know, defended her colleague and um, this is what's happening. That's why she's receiving this kind of attack and being accused of being, you know, a a rabid Marxist for the mere uh, belief that, you know, black lives do matter. Weirdo. So it's yeah. gr- it's grotesque, <clears throat> and I, I I mean, are people on the on the left have been saying, well, look, you know, Jess Brown was deputy editor of Newsnight at the time of the Corbyn um, Soviet hat incident, so it doesn't she, you know, isn't it's a bit of like she's sort of getting reaping what she sowed, but I don't think that's a very um, I don't think that's the right way to look at these things. I think you could say what Newsnight did around around that. Um, image was wrong but it's also right to say a a female journalist who stood up for her colleagues uh, shouldn't be subjected to this kind of abuse by other women in the mail on sunday which you know and and raising such personal things as you know her fertility treatment her child her partner it's just grotesque mm-hmm. and I, it's very different from me mocking robert peston very different to. mate a man attacking another man um, I, uh, I've never been one for, you know, uh, audio piracy, but I do feel like one of us needs to download the Mogcast and then like disseminate, disseminate it amongst everybody else. Cause I do not want that guy's hit count going up, um, on iTunes. I thought you were saying download it and, and cut it up in a like, um, I might do know. that. I might have to do that at some point. Definitely. Yes. Oh God. Yeah. Oh God. Oh God. So, um, 
Yeah, the 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 Peston the Peston edition of the newsletter came out on Saturday, so that's up Do and available and check it to out. read. It's a fantastic and read. the one about this uh, campaign against Res Brahma should be out when I've finished this and come up and with some kind egg. of ludicrous image for it. Eating your egg. Eating yes. your egg. And eating my egg. Yeah. Um, well, thank egg. you so much. People should go and check it out. I don't want it that it, to become a catchphrase. Eat your egg. Um, yeah, why not? Uh, <laughs> it's Broken Bottle Boy. Like a terrible 70s sitcom. <laughs> don't talk over the plug. It's brokenbottleboy.substack.com. Um, definitely uh, the, the Peston article is, is a, a vintage piece. It's brilliant stuff. Go and check it out. Uh, Mick Wright, thank you so much for being here. They should follow you on Twitter. It's at Broken Bottle Boy um, for correct. top Savoy analogies. And uh, we'll see you next. Oh, by the way, did you get yes. that? Did you get the thing that you went to Northern Ireland for? You know, the no, thing. no, you didn't get it. I did. I did not go to Northern Ireland because I had a fever two days before we were meant to go. So oh, I you're kidding! Oh no! Yeah. And I have now recovered, and it was not COVID, but it was just some kind of horrible virus. Oh, so, you yeah, poor I thing! We are going to Northern Ireland later in the month. Are you going to get the thing? Yes, many, many multi packs of potatoes. Get it? No. Thing. Thing. That thing. Yeah, okay, good. I'm glad that you've got me on a watch list. <laughs> this is really good. <laughs> I say that, I've got myself on a watch list long ago. Let's there be free. Well, okay, no, yeah, I will no, see no, you no, next week. Yeah, okay, great. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Bye, bye, bye. Mick Wright, aka Broken Bottle Boy. Mick Wright, aka Broken Bottle Boy. Mick Wright there. Incomparable Mick Wright. Okay, great. Uh, we've had some uh, emails. Thanks very much indeed. Uh, Malcolm uh, has been touched twice, in fact. Uh, and he says, Hi, Jake and the apparatchiks. Uh, not done the lottery for years after the initial thrill of being a trillionaire quickly waned. But recently I remembered all the hoo-ha about what a con it was and how a three-legged horse had more chance of winning the Grand National. That's a horse race, Jake. I know you're not au fait with sporty stuff than people had of winning a million pounds. Now, I believe that many people have won a million pounds since the lottery started, but I've never seen a report of a three-legged horse winning the Grand National. Odd, eh? Is there a secret Grand National where all the three-legged, and why is it pronounced always legged and not legged, horses race? And why can't we put a bet on it? And I bet, or I would if I could, that there's an extra super-secret Grand National for two-legged horses, where people win the trillions that have been rightfully mined since Camelot came into being! I think we should be told. Ever yours. Milk, as in Milk Got Drive. Cheers, Cousin Davy. I'm adopting that as an additional mantra to Milk Got Drunk, which is my usual epithet. Thank you, Milk. And uh, here's another email from, hey, Milk. Uh, hi, Jake. Just catching up with the Yapfest stuff. And is the sitar song Zigurnavizen by Sarasati? Heard it at a local posh festival years ago. And it's stuck in my mind as something that it might be useful to remember. Nearly 50 years later, hurrah, it eventually was worth it. Another one of those things that stick in your mind for no apparent reason. Hope all's well in La Belle France. All is well. Thank you very much. Love, Malk. Uh, P.S. You weren't the first with Malcolm Powder. How I wish you were. Oh, God. Well, that was my asleep self came up with that joke. Um, and so I'm, 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 I'm going to forgive myself for that. I wonder if I can find this. What's this... Uh, Sarasati is you going to visa? Oh no, this is an advert. Um, yeah, I'm sorry about that. I, I, I dreamed a joke. Um, here we go. This is the one. Let's have a listen. 
extremely small child with violin has walked out onto the stage. Hello. I'm Sohyun. I'm 12 years old. I'm from South Korea. Today, I'm going to play Jigoen Rising by Sarasate. This piece is one of my favorite. I hope you oh, like it. Oh, I get on with it. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. She's 12. Oh, my God. 12 3 4 What a load of rubbish. No idea. Was that the one? I don't know. I don't retain anything. Uh, back to your emails then. Um, and we've got one from uh, Pat saying, uh, welcome back. Um, on Friday's show with Cousin Davey, mention was made of Prince's creative guitar theatrics, where he presented uh, Prince's pulsating projectile proboscis for the delight of fans. Uh, is a modification to his guitar, which allowed it to... Um, eject a certain amount of anyway pat says i've never done anything like that to a guitar of course in fact i can't even stand putting a sticker on one uh, but one halloween a long time ago i dangled a rubber bat on elastic from the end of my guitar because you know why not then this girl sidled up to me in a rather confrontational manner and snarled why have you got a rubber bat hanging off your guitar uh my reply was met by a mixture of contempt and animosity they didn't have any spiders. Whence she stomped off in a huff. Just as well, I never tried the prince thing in front of her. Cheers for now, Pat. Yeah, you can't do the prince thing anymore. Unless, you, unless you're prince, maybe. And uh, troublingly, uh, there's an email from Hedy. Always good to see. Uh, Dear Jape, do you think... It, and I haven't read this ahead of time. Do you think it is a sensible thing to wear my iron cross and walk about <laughs> town? No. What? No. Why? I know there are old people who still remember the war, but there are also young people who don't and might think it's a bit rock and roll. <laughs> okay. P.S. Do you remember Jenny Hanley from Magpie? I loved it when she said nothing and just looked at you. Okay. Hedy, I think you, uh, Joel, Joel is related to Jenny, I, I believe. Is that right? Um... Let's not go there. Let's just not go in it. Let's just let's just walk away from all of this. Uh, thank you very much indeed for your company today. Um, obviously, you know, not 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 quite the full show uh, you, you'd expect. But um, you know, I'm busy, man. I'm busy. I hung a door. I hung a door. I hung a door. I bought hinges. You know, and put it on. I was quite pleased with that. And used my masonry drill for the first time. I'm feeling pretty pretty butch, pretty rugged. That's my life now. Um, and my family's too. I've managed to recruit mum and dad uh, who are working like dogs until they drop um, here on what I promised them was a holiday. <laughs> Turned out to be a work camp. Okay, take care of yourselves. See you on Wednesday. Bye. This has been a Swanburst Media production. 
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.